Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey, Cracked fans. If you're a listener of this podcast, I imagine you feel fairly similar to how I do about the latest clothing options made available across the tennis market. Now, while I won't call out any brand in particular, I will say this. Given the exorbitant nature of the latest designs, feels like you better be pretty freaking good at tennis if you want to wear that sort of clothing on the court. Now, thankfully, we here at Crack Rackets are now able to provide a far more suitable, far more comfortable, and I'm going to be honest, far more stylish option for all of our Crack Rackets fans, courtesy of our friends over at Lucky Racket. Lucky Racket uses some of the best fitting and feeling tees in the world. Their shirts are combed, ring-spun, heirloom cotton, and tri-blend Bella and Canvas. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds spectacular. So, how can you get yourself some Lucky Racket gear? It's simple. Just go to their website, luckyracket.com, that's L-U-C-K-Y-R-A-C-K-E-T.com, and use our promo code CRACK15. If you do, you'll get 15% off all of your purchases. That means 15% off the shirts, 15% off all of the incredible swag offered by our friends. Again, that's luckyracket.com. The promo code is CRACK15. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, August 20th. What we are going to be doing today on this show is offering you two episodes to make up for the lack of podcasts over the past few days. Of course, our Crack Rackets team was live at the 2021 Lotto Elite Pro Tennis Challenge. It was such a fantastic opportunity to get to watch and speak with players like Ernest Golbis, Chris Eubanks, Roy Smith, Ram Kumar, Ramanathan, and so many more. If you have missed any of that content, you're going to be able to catch it all on our Cracked Interviews channel over the next couple of days hear those podcasts as super producer Daniel Westoff releases them out to you but of course again we are well aware so much action happening across levels in the tennis world I got the chance yesterday to record with both Colette Lewis and Lisa Stone to recap the USTA girls and boys 16s and 18s national championships those conversations will come out as great shot podcasts over the next few days but perhaps Hovering above everything else, the 2021 Western and Southern Open, we have reached the quarterfinal stage of the event on the men's side relatively steady in an otherwise somewhat chaotic year. Six of our top eight seeds still alive, and we start to see that next class of, you know, tier one players, the next dominant forces 
on the ATP Tour continue to establish themselves as such. Of course, the highlighted names, the next-gen ATP guys that have been at the forefront of that generation for a while now, Daniil Medvedev, Alex Zirev, Stefano Tsitsipas, they have all advanced to the quarterfinal round, joined by players such as Kasper Ruud, who has unequivocally been one of the breakthrough stars of this season, also joined by FAA, who, of course, I have always considered the leader of the next-gen ATP 2.0 group. He's still, you know, around 21 years old, could still play in that event this year if he wanted, and he's already made eight ATP Tour finals. We saw him make his big breakthrough run, it felt like, at a slam at Wimbledon, makes his first quarterfinal there. Certainly, as we look for him here, makes another quarterfinal at this Masters event. All of this bodes well for FAA moving forward. The other players joining them, Pablo Carina Busta, Benoit Pair, Andre Rublev. I want to talk about how all of those guys have reached this stage. I want to preview Friday's quarterfinal matches as well. That's going to be the focus of this episode on a separate mini break podcast, also to be released today. I discussed the WTA side of this event. If you want to hear all of those thoughts again, I suppose just scroll up or down in your mini break feed. I'm not sure which order Westoff's going to release them in, but of course, again, want to cover all of that action as the U.S. Open less than two weeks away. And it's our final Grand Slam of the year. We learned Rafael Nadal not going to be participating in that event. He's done for the remainder of this 2021 season, nursing that foot injury, wants to come back healthy in 2022. Obviously, that opens up the field, and it continues to feel like it's Novak Djokovic's to lose. It does look like it's going to be another next-gen ATP guy. It was Tsitsipas, or it was Medvedev at the Australian Open. It was Tsitsipas at the French. It was Berrettini at Wimbledon. It's probably going to be another guy like that taking a shot at Djokovic in the U.S. Open final. You know, when you look at this Western Southern Open as a barometer for that event, it makes it really interesting. I said it already. Medvedev, Zverev, Tsitsipas, all still alive in this event. Rublev, maybe not quite on that tier, but certainly hovers around it. Uh, he's still alive in this one. The, you know, it, it's just, it's a really interesting to use this as a proxy for, okay, who's the leader in the clubhouse? Obviously, Djokovic, the guy to beat in New York, but who's number two? And considering Medvedev won Toronto, he's looking confident here through his first few matches in uh, Cincinnati. There's no denying that he maybe he's the guy. Is it Zverev coming off of that Olympic gold medal? Is it a Tsitsipas who, of course, it just feels like thrives at the big on the big stages in a way perhaps those other two don't? Fascinating, fascinating time to be a fan of the ATP Tour. And again, using this Western and Southern Open as a proxy for who is that leader in the clubhouse to challenge Novak Djokovic is going to be a theme of today's episode. But of course, before I get into the nitty gritty, talk about the specific results, what I'm seeing unfold with my eyes, what the numbers are telling us as well. I have to remind all of you listeners that today's podcast is made possible because of the support we get from all of you, because of the support we get from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and of course, because of the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point. And hopefully you've heard the news. I've said it on a couple of podcasts. I'll repeat it here. We are going to be live at the Western Southern Open today, 4 p.m. show, Tennis Point Tent. Again, if you're on the grounds, come say hello. We're going to be talking about all of these things. We'll keep an eye on the U.S. Open as well. You're not going to want to miss out. It's going to be a super, super fun experience. We've got Eric Buderak going to be joining us again. A lot, a lot of fun planned. Uh, 
you don't want to miss out. If you're there, come enjoy it. You know, take a little break. We're going to try and do it again in between matches so you don't miss out on any of the tennis. But you want to get in the AC for a little bit. You just want to have some fun. Come see our Crack Rackets team in action. We want to meet all of you. So, of course, live on the grounds with our friends at Tennis Point Friday, 4 p.m., Tennis Point Tent, of course, for the best equipment at the best prices. Just go to tennis-point.com. You use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order free. Two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. It's tennis-point, the symbol, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. All right. All of that said, and you can tell I'm still getting my mini-break monologue legs under me, but let's get into the nitty-gritty of this 2021 Western Southern Open. And again, on this episode, we're focusing on the men's singles results. Let's start not with the top seeds, the next-gen guys I was referring to in Medvedev, Tsitsipas, and Zira, but let's start with a big week for Felix Ogier Aliassime. And I know sometimes I, I feel like I'm just an advocate for Felix because I see it. I, I see the power Tennessee plays with. When it looks good, it doesn't just look, you know, top 20. It looks dominant. His serve, his forehand are top 10 weapons when they're landing in the court. The decisiveness with which he hits through the court. It doesn't matter the opponent. It doesn't matter the court speed. He has the he has elite weapons when they are landing, and the problem for Felix is sometimes he is a bit one-dimensional. The serve, the forehand, he wants to rip through the backhand as well. He's one of those few guys, in my opinion, who can hit through someone by hitting a cross-court backhand. That list is like Djokovic, Zverev. I mean, Medvedev doesn't hit through you cross-court, but he can step up in the baseline, rip it for a winner. Again, it's a very, very elite group of players who can confidently step up and hit through a court cross-court with their backhand. FAA's getting better at it. Oh, Yannick Sinner. How did I not include Yannick Sinner on that list? I apologize, Yannick. But look for Felix. I mean, his serve and his forehand were landing against Matteo Berrettini in a 6-4, 6-3 win uh, to advance to the quarterfinals of this event. You look for Felix, the numbers from the match. He won 89% of his first serve points. He was broken once in the match now, he, but he only faced one break point throughout the match. And, you know, again, he did he only he only won 42% of his second serves. That's a testament to Berrettini's ability to step up and hit a first forehand with it. You know, gets around that ball so well. Like sneaky quick for a guy his size, but you look for Felix in the match, he did the exact same thing and just was the steadier of the two players, had 11 breakpoint chances, only converted three of them, but only needed the three. 6-4, 6-3 victory. You look for him here, get to win over Marton Fucevic, 7-6-6-3 in his first round match, and that was the match that he didn't play his best. Only made 52% of his first serves, faced 10 breakpoints in the match, but he's gotten better and better as this tournament progresses. In his second round win over Hachinov in three sets, made 61% of his first serves, won 90% of those first serve points, 68% of his second serve points, was a dominant day on serve for him. And then against Berrettini, again, up to 64% of his first serves go in. He's still winning 88% of those first serve points. He's got another fascinating matchup in the quarterfinals against Stefano Tsitsipas, and listeners of this podcast will know that's a rivalry that dates back to their junior days, and obviously for Felix, he's had success against Tsitsipas, particularly when they were younger in the junior. Tsitsipas has had his number a bit of late, but it's because Felix has the sort of pace, the big serve, and the heaviness of that forehand. 
it gives the CT Pass backhand problems inherently, and that again speaks to just how proficient that Felix Ogier Aliasim forehand is. And you just look at his results since we started the grass court season, because unequivocally, it was a disappointing clay court season for him to lose first round in Monte Carlo, first round in Lyon to Musetti, first round Roland Garros to Seppi. You know, he did his best result was a Barcelona quarterfinal where he beat Musetti and Shapovalov before losing to Tsitsipas, that was really it. But since that time, finals of Stuttgart before losing to Chilich. He makes semifinals of Halle, plays a really fun three-set match, loses it to Umber. Loses four sets, quarterfinal Wimbledon to Berrettini, but he beats Kyrgios, he beats Zverev in five sets to get there. There's no doubt the Olympics, the loss to Purcell, you know, the funky loss to Brooksby, although you know, that was just Brooksby's week in D.C. And then the loss to the Deuce in Canada. That was concerning. And for Felix, that again speaks to the inconsistencies and his inability to find solutions when that first serve, that first forehand aren't clicking. However, you look at the run in Stuttgart, Halle, Wimbledon, now here at the Western and Southern Open, when his serve and forehand are clicking, the big results will be there because his best can hang with the best on the ATP Tour. He plays on his terms. That, again, his ability to move forward. He's a good volleyer who knows where to go. And again, yes, it's a little bit robotic at times, but then he shows off the car. You know, he carves a drop volley cross court or just his ability to stick that low backhand volley. That speaks to his strength, but it also speaks to his finesse. And I just continue to think, you know, as a mover, he gets more and more fluid. And I still think he's going to get better at a move as a mover because there are times when he still looks a bit stiff, but you have to remember Felix Ogier Aliasim, you know, he just turned 21 years old, and he's currently, again, ranked 17. Now, what's interesting to me are the advanced metrics. Overall ELO rating, FAA, still number 33. He's behind a guy like a Brooksby, like a like an Opelka, like, you know, a Carlos Alcaraz, who the, and Sebastian Corda, who the advanced metrics like a little bit better right now. You look at his 2021 ELO rating, it feels like he's had better results than those guys, right? He's done it all. You know, he's made a quarterfinal of a slam. He's now into the quarterfinal of a Masters event for the first time this season. He's done it once before, I believe, in his career in Miami. Was that 2020? No, because there was no. So it must have been Miami 2019. Uh, yet he's 32 right now in overall, uh, in 2021 specific ELO, you know, again, trailing guys uh, like a Lorenzo Sonego, like even an Arthur Rindernesh. I think that because the reason I bring that up, ELO rating measures who you're beaten and, you know, and the score that you beat them by, not when and where, like the ATP rankings. You look at Felix's run over these last 52 weeks, he's 38 and 27 overall. Here in 2021, he's 28 and 17. You break it down by who he's played against top 50 players, he's 11 and 11. Against top 20 players, it's interesting to note though, he's 7 and 3. Against top 10 players, he's 4 and 3. That's interesting. That's an interesting data point. What I think that speaks to, and of course, he's gotten a big win over a top 10 opponent here in Berrettini. He's also gotten a win, uh, uh, you know, again, that that Wimbledon hollow run certainly did dividends for him in those stats. But I think that speaks to the fact that the inconsistency of Felix, that his best against the best can absolutely beat them. But his worst against top 50 players can absolutely be, he can be beaten. And 
that's why that number is so interesting to me. 11 and 11 against the top 50, but 7 and 3 against the top 20. You look for Felix again, things like hold percentage, break percentage. He's number 21 right now on tour in hold percentage this season. He's holding at 81.8% of the time. You look for him in terms of his break percentage. He's about 32nd right now on that list. He's breaking serve approximately 22% of the time. That's fine. Uh, Again, that number needs to get a little bit higher. It speaks to the inconsistency. It speaks to the one speed. But that one speed, folks, it's looking very, very good. He is into a Masters quarterfinal here. And again, we look for him. How many Masters quarterfinals has he made? Let me just be clear here uh, because I don't want to be incorrect. You look for him overall. I do believe, yep, this is his second Masters quarterfinal. The other one was 2019 Miami Masters. So I still got it in regards to Felix Ogier, Aliasim. Again, great week for him to beat Fuchovic on a hard court, Hachinov on a hard court, then to follow it up, just overwhelming Berrettini with his power. Now, for Matteo Berrettini, it was a good first week back, and I think he's finding his bearings on tour, and certainly when you face the pace of FAA in one of your first three matches back, that's a tough matchup, but I think he looks pretty good. I'm feeling confident about him heading into the U.S. Open. I don't think he's going to win it, but I, I don't expect him to just, barring the draw, you know, if he gets the Fuchovic draw first round, if that's where Fuchovic ends up falling, that would be interesting. Um, but I think Berrettini's got second week of the U.S. Open serve, just his ability to play plus one tennis. Over the course of five sets, his physicality often wears uh, wins out. So still, Big week for FAA. I think that's one of the most notable storylines of the Western Southern Open thus far. Now, with that in mind, the other biggest storyline has been the steadiness of the top seeds. Six of the top eight still alive in this event. You look for Daniil Medvedev, who earns a 6-3-6-3 win over Grigor Dimitrov yesterday. He also beat Mackie McDonald, your finalist at the 2021 City Open. Two and two in his first round match against Grigor yesterday. You know, Grigor played well, and the the physicality of that match, I'm stealing, I think it was Matt Willis who said it. It's hilarious that once a year or twice a year, every so often, there are three weeks of time when Grigor, you just are reminded how talented he is as an athlete, how good his best tennis can be. And look, he was going shot for shot with Medvedev in that first set, and Medvedev goes up an early break 3-1. They play, what was that, that like one minute long, I want to say 45-shot rally where it ends on a Dimitrov on the run, one-handed backhand down the line winner, and it's just, you know, you remember that Grigor's capable of that speed, but, you know, Daniil Medvedev plays 45-ball rallies, and then he goes to the next point. He's like, you want to do that again? And then he goes to the next one. You want to do that again? And, of course, I've continued to say it. Six foot six. There there was a time when he had the hold percentage of John Isner, and, I mean, his ability to crank it up 120 to 135 whenever he needs to. He hits all the spots really well, goes flat into the body. I actually think Daniil Medvedev baits you into hitting into the outer thirds of the court. I think his his steady rally ball, of course, if, if it's someone, and it's why I think guys like RBA and you know the steadier players sometimes give him trouble because he wants to play down the center of the court. He wants you to make the first move because he's at his best when he's reading and reacting. When he's in the outer third, you have no idea where that forehand's going. Is he going to go short angle cross court. He's going to slap it down the line. You honestly have no clue. And of course, his backhand, particularly on the run, it's one of the best in the business right now in men's tennis. He can take it flat down the line. He can go short angle cross court. I would argue behind Novak Djokovic, it's probably Djokovic, 
And then Medvedev and Zverev when he's moving well. But Zira, I would say he's because of the inconsistency. Djokovic is tier one, tier one and a half in terms of best passing shots on tour. Daniil Medvedev, just he hits all of the spots. He can hit the lob as well over your head. He's a good volleyer who, he's a sloppy volleyer because he does have sneaky good feel and hands at the net and can hit the drop volley and can drive the first volley and knows where to go and is comfortable serving and volleying as well and has a serve that's capable of serving and volleying. And, you know, again, he hits the return 30 feet behind the net, but he moves so well, and he has so much length that he can track down and use that first return almost as as the first of a two-shot passing shot combination. Guy's a freak! Guy's an absolute freak, and you know, right now, he's second. It's Djokovic minus 135, Medvedev minus 400 in terms of favorites at the 2021 US Open. Yeah, justifiably. He, I, I listed all the stats in my recap pod last time, so I'm not going to list them all again, but he's been dominant. And again, why is this so impressive? Two weeks in a row, and it's going to be more spaced out at the U.S. Open. It's going to be three out of five sets as well, but for Daniil Medvedev to follow up a run at uh, at the Toronto Masters, yeah, Toronto Masters, sorry, I'm just, the city's Toronto, Montreal was definitely Toronto this year. To follow that up, with two wins over guys like Dimitrov and then uh, like a guy in his first match, Mackie McDonald, that's what you have to do at a U.S. Open, is you just have to recover. And he did, and he has. And now he's through to the quarterfinals where he's got a matchup with Pablo Carreno Busta. And that's a fascinating one because, again, when genera- when Medvedev has to generate his own pace, when he has to be the aggressor, he can get a little slap happy. He can get a little sloppy as well, kind of force his way to the net, try and do things that while he can pull off, he probably shouldn't be attempting to do with that much frequency. And so this is an interesting matchup for sure. And you look for Carino Busta wins over Cope for 4-2 and yesterday over Hubi Hercot 6-6. Six and six. And by the way, a Hubi quarterfinal appearance at the U.S. Open is absolutely in the cards. And I don't think, you know, the Miami Open champion, quarterfinals last week, round of 16 here, 6-6, six and six, played a really good match against Andy Murray uh, where he beat him 6-3. and three. And I thought Andy actually, that was, I was, hmm, how do I say this without getting too optimistic? Andy Murray's not winning a Grand Slam anytime soon. Andy Murray can win matches at a Grand Slam, though, and do it without having to do the highway robbery that felt like that Basilashvili match or the Oscar Ota match. Like, I think he could win a match at the U.S. Open comfortably and just be dominant from start to finish. Uh, but Hubie had the sort of pace and the sort of aggression and make him be on his back foot uh, that just over time wore Murray down. And, you know, obviously that's going to happen. So be it. It's great to just have Andy back in general. But all this is to say, Hubie just attacks you. He can go from defense to offense in a split second. His hands are as talented a set of hands as you're going to find on tour. His feel around the court, his ability to go cross court, down the line. The forehand is a little bit bigger, but just the fluidity at his size epitome of what the physical profile and skill set of a modern tennis player and for Crano Busta to beat him six and six he's a former U.S. Open semifinalist he's playing really really good ball that's a fun contrast of styles you look at see in their careers for Daniil Medvedev uh in terms of how frequent well, because I'm curious what is his record against Pablo Crano Busta I'm going to do this on the fly here folks leave it in uh his record they're one and one in their last 52 weeks duh Crano Busta beat him two and six in the quarterfinal 
quarterfinals of the Olympics. Medvedev beat him on the, in the semifinals on grass in Mallorca. You look in their career, Medvedev 3-2. and two. He's beaten him indoors in Paris, indoors in Moscow, and he also beat him in Mallorca. The two outdoor matches they've played on hardcourt both went to Carreno Busta in straight sets. Fascinating matchup, no doubt, for these quarterfinals. I'm probably going to stick around on site to watch it, to be honest. That is uh, where we're at for Daniil Medvedev and Pablo Carreno Busta, who, again, he's, I've said it before, I'll say it again, he's the best of the rest. Of the lost gen, Rayanich has been too banged up. You know, Gofen is struggling with his form right now for many a different reasons. And Kei Nishikori, he still has flashes, but of course he's had a ton of injuries of late. But Pablo Carreno Busta is the guy. That 19 and Dominic team out right now. You know, it's Carreno Busta who's carrying that lost gen banner. And guess what? Second week, very much in play. And given how open it is, I mean, literally, he was the guy who beat Djokovic last year. He does it again. It's a wide open U.S. Open once again. I mean, I, the, the Djokovic thing, first of all, he didn't beat him. Djokovic beat himself is what so many of you are saying right now in the car. I'm well aware of that. Don't let the truth get in the way of the good story. But is Pablo Carreno Busta a possibility to win this U.S. Open? If Novak Djokovic loses, the answer is yes. I mean, that's an if. That's a big freaking if. But he's in the mix. He is absolutely, and he's the guy of that lost gen that's in the mix at this upcoming event. That's your top half quarter final, of course. You look elsewhere in the draw. I mean, again, I it's it's always a tricky subject to tackle. You're being disingenuous if you're trying to say Alex Zverev is not one of the five best players right now on the ATP Tour. And by the way, updated lists for all of you. Top 10, 15, 20, 25 clubs. Two players right now, top 10 in both hold and return percentage. Can you guess them? I'll give you two seconds. One 1,000, two 1,000. If you said Novak Djokovic and Neil Medvedev, congratulations. That's your top 10 club right now. Top 10 in both how frequently they're holding serve and breaking serve. Your top 15 club extends that group, excuse me, to Alex Zverev, Rafael Nadal, Andre Rublev. Your top 20 group, Kasper Root and Aslan Karatsev round that out. So again, those are... The seven. And for Karatsev, it's a little bit lopsided because there's a, a little bit of challenger success mixed in there from the end of last season from him. I think he drops out of that group likely as soon as the end of this U.S. Open. But honestly, we look at this season, Djokovic, Medvedev, Zverev, Rafa, Rublev, Rude. The only two guys you would argue are missing from that group are probably Tsitsipas and Berrettini. In terms of the results we've seen this season, Berrettini finals Wimbledon, Tsitsipas Masters champion finalist at the French Open as well. You know, Korda, Nori, Sinner, they would be top 30 group guys, top 30 in both hold percentage and break percentage. And, you know, there's only about 11 or 12 guys you can say that for. But that's your top eight. Like, that's a pretty solid top eight. Djokovic, Medvedev, Zverev, Rafa, Rublev, Rude, Tsitsipas, Berrettini. Does anyone disagree? Like, Dominic Team, who's top 25 club, by the way, is not healthy right now. So I'm just not including him in this conversation. Of course, if healthy, he would be back in it. But he's not right now. That's your group. Those are your guys. The, when the numbers and the eye tests match up, Something is happening. That's a trend, folks. And again, in tennis, I know numbers don't always tell the full story, but the results do. And 
all you know, Medvedev, Zverev, Rublev, Rude, who are four of your top, uh, six top twenty guys. Excuse me, four of your seven top twenty guys. They're all still alive in this event. We know Tsitsipas is only not a top twenty guy or top fifteen club guy. And by the way, he would be a top thirty club guy because of the backhand return, which is continuing to improve. His break percentage is at a career high this season. Tsitsipas uh, is on the rise. There's no doubting that. And you know, ditto by the way with Berrettini and his slice backhand return. All of this makes sense. Um, and so the numbers are saying it. The results are saying it. That's why we're locked in for these quarterfinals. Zverev versus Kasper Ruud is certainly going to be a fun one. And you look for Zverev, who, again, comfortable wins for him. Just He seems locked in both physically and mentally uh, right now. And obviously, we all know his skill set. We all know what he's capable of. We all know when that serve is landing, his size, his fluidity. I'll continue to say there are 10 minutes in every match. 15 minutes in every match where you're like, this guy is as good as any player I've ever seen on a tennis court. And so I don't say that lightly. I just think physically he can do things I haven't seen. Look at his on-the-run backhand passing shot that he freaking hit uh, on the, what was it, the set point in the tiebreaker against Lloyd Harris. How many players can hit that ball? Djokovic, Medvedev. Like, that's it to me. That ball, that on-the-run two-handed backhand passing shot down the line. And so, yeah, I... Again, he's playing his best tennis, finalist at last year's U.S. Open, first big run here at Cincinnati. So what you expect from a guy who just won the gold medal. Uh, so, you know, again, from a level standpoint, certainly playing some good tennis. You look elsewhere, Casper Ruud, for him to go quarterfinals, Cincy, quarterfinals, Toronto, what more do we want him to do? Like, he's proved it. He proved it. Brilliant decision to go play those clay court events, get his confidence up. You look at the rankings right now for Kasparud, live ranking of number 11. That's a career high. In the race to the year-end finals, he's eighth. He's going to qualify for the year-end finals, like, and he's going to earn to have earned it. I mean, we haven't seen that second week at a slam yet, but is there any reason he can't do that second week here at the U.S. Open? I say no. I'm in on the Kasparud bandwagon on hard courts. The game makes sense physically well-rounded top you know 15 guy in terms of a server top 20 guy in terms of break percentage it makes sense to me he beat Schwartzman four and three just had the bigger weapons and Schwartzman couldn't hurt him and just that forehand works on any surface so him versus Virov should be super super fun I already talked about Felix Ogier Aliasim who takes on Stefano Tsitsipas Tsitsipas a tricky three set win over Lorenzo Sonego considering the serve forehand from Sonego that ability to break down the Tsitsipas backhand that's actually a really good result from Stefanos uh, to advance. And now again, he's got FAA. And then finally, Andre Rublev, who knocks off Gael Monfils, 6-6. Six six. Monfils earned his 500th win yesterday against Demonauer. He's now got Benoit Paire, who is into a Masters quarterfinal. He beats Shapovalov. He beats Isner. Both three-set wins. He beats Mimir Kasmenovic first round, three sets as well. He made... He played a really good match against Mackie McDonald before losing at the City Open. That was a three-set loss. The return of Benoit. He's got the fans back. Ben Ale Benoit. I mean, whatever. You know, Golbis walks so that pair can run. Um, yeah, Benoit. Benoit. 
But that's really where we're at. Again, and for Rublev, this was a much-needed week, especially three sets over Chilich, then 6-6 six and six over Monfils. Got to feel good for the Russian. He's got a ton of points to defend. It just feels like over the next few months, with how good he was at the end of last season and how good he was at the start of or this year. And so, you know, for Rublev, gets another quarterfinal result here. you got to love it uh, for Andre Rublev. Again, uh, he's going to take on Benoit Perrin. Those are your quarterfinals. It's going to be Medvedev, Karino Busta, Rublev, Pair, Rud Zverev, FAA, Tsitsipas. Not too bad. Not too bad across the board, of course. Again, if you are on the grounds at the City Open, uh, at the West City Open, at the Western Southern Open tomorrow, if you're on the grounds at the City Open, shout out to you. Uh, if you're on the grounds at the Western Southern Open tomorrow, come to the Tennis Point Tent. 4 p.m. live show. Eric Buderak going to be joining us. Have some other people planned as well. Uh, it's going to be a fun day. So we want to meet you. We want to have some fun. We want to talk some tennis. You don't want to miss out. Of course, you also don't want to miss out part two of today's podcast. I break down all of the women's action of late at the Western Southern Open. Of course, uh, again, super, super exciting day of play uh, just all around the board. Quarterfinal Friday. Doesn't get much better than that. We are looking forward to that action. We will be back tonight breaking all of that action down. But, of course, for now, if you missed any of our coverage of the latest happenings across the tennis world, you can follow it all on our website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at CrackRackets. You want to message me directly, I am at GreatShotPod. A shout-out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an ending job they do day in, day out. Shout-out, as well, to our friends over at Tennis Point. It's Tennis-Point. Com. The promo code is CR15. With all of that said, for Super Producers Fleener and Westoff, for our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. 